I'm Robbie Burns. I'm Craig McClellan. And this is Semester 2 of the Class Nerd Podcast. Connecting teachers to the productive world of apps. Hey, Craig. How's it going, Robbie? It's going well. Uh, It's a lovely snow day here in Columbia, Maryland. Yeah, we uh, normally, we at least get a few snow days here in Tennessee, because even if it snows half an inch, no one here knows how to drive on it, and so the city shuts down. But we have had zero snow days, and uh, I'm sad about that. Well, so that we can efficiently manage our listeners' time, uh, let's get into our topic today. Uh, what are we talking about? See what I, see, see what I did there, Robbie? I see, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah well... We're going to be talking about calendars and time management today. Now, how is this different from task management? Oh, I am so glad you asked. Uh, we hinted a little bit at this in our task habit reminder application episode a few weeks back. Um, the idea that some people use a calendar to manage tasks or to-do like items and We advocated that that's not necessarily the best application for to-dos because calendar events are generally fixed in time and might involve other people being present all in the same time and then in the same place. And tasks, especially ones that can be done at any time in the free space in your day, they can really cloud up your calendar application and lose their meaning when you're putting things like take out the trash at 9 p.m. and then, of course... If you're me, you're, you know, that's when True Detective comes on. So you're like, I'm not doing that. And so then it becomes eventually meaningless noise and clouds up your calendar, taking away meaning from the things that are actually fixed events. So we're going to talk a little bit today about what is time and... <laughs> we're getting very philosophical. Uh, yes, we are. I didn't even realize how philosophical we were getting until I said those words out loud. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, what types of things fit well into a calendar application, and then what are some good calendar applications and utilities for iOS and the Mac. And then we're going to talk about some workflows we have. And I think workflow is going to mean just as much, like, what are are the tools we're stringing together and how, but it's also going to mean, like, how like how are we conceiving of our time as represented to us on a computer screen to begin with so robbie as we talk about time management i know i've seen you post in blogs lately and just from our conversations that it's been a bit of a struggle for you lately and so what has that looked like why has that been difficult the that's a good question so i think that's been difficult because at the end of the day, or I guess I should say at the beginning of the day, you have to really take a look at what makes up the time of your day. Like before a computing device enters into the discussion at all, how someone prioritizes and structures their time is important. Um, you know, before you determine, like, how do I want a computer to depict my time to me? And what are the tools that I can use to better manage that? You got to ask yourself, okay, like how much time do I want to spend doing my job? How much do I want to spend doing this area of life? How much time do I want to spend doing the class nerd? How much time do I want to spend teaching private lessons? You know, just speaking from my personal life and how you fit that all in is can be supported by technology, but largely has to define the technology and tools that you use uh, before you can have any sort of idea what are the workflows and apps that you want to entertain. The reason I say that sometimes technology can inform how you organize your time, you know, I actually think that I am smarter about how much time things take me. Like, I think I am a smarter manager of time because of how many minutes of my life I have simply spent creating calendar events, uh, dragging the beginning time of the event to the correct end of time, um, just graphically 
making lots of contact with like, okay, here's the free time in my day versus here are the colored bricks that make up the commitments that I have. I do think that one thing can support the other. Um, but like I said a second ago, um, there first has to be a strong personal sense of how do you want to divide all of your responsibilities. Right. Now that we've kind of talked some of the, the philosophy, I want to get into the the real nerdy nitty gritty. Even before we hit apps, I'm, I'm going to talk about APIs. Can I talk about APIs, Robbie? Do it. Okay. The way that calendars work on Apple devices is you can use, I don't, I, can, I won't say any service that you like, but almost any of the, or any of the popular services for storing your calendar data in the cloud, such as iCloud or Microsoft exchange or Google calendar. And that's where the data lives and your iOS devices or Macs can, um, access that data and work with it. And so um, Apple has this really robust framework um, called event kit. And basically it works with all the calendar data from the cloud and allows any app to have just as much access to that as Apple's own built-in calendar application. So if you want to use a third-party calendar app, it's not cut off in any way because Apple has its own calendar app. It's all through a system of APIs. And so there are lots and lots of apps that can be your calendar client that all sync with the same cloud service and all have the same... I don't want to say same abilities because different developers add different capabilities into apps, but um, they have access to everything that the Apple calendar does from the cloud. So um, I I really like, I wish Apple did this with more frameworks so that we could have different music players that access our Apple music account or better third-party email clients that um, can be better citizens on the devices. So um but that also, Robbie, has led me on a quest lately. Uh-oh. And I just want to say I don't love any calendar apps, and I'm very sad about that. I am actually currently back on just Apple's stock calendar app. Interesting. And I keep coming back to it because... Either the design, I, I might love the design of a different calendar app, and we'll talk about some different options here down the line, but functionally, like it's just buggy or it has some great features. Um, for instance, I know I'm going to get into Fantastical here in a little bit. Fantastical's features are amazing, but it is so ugly to look at, especially on my 12.9 inch iPad. It It's terrible. And every time I open it up, I'm just like, ugh, I don't want to even, I don't care about what events because I don't want to see this. And I know that sounds, I'm, I'm hearing myself say this and thinking you are being a diva about a calendar. Um, but yes, I am. This is my podcast about being a nerd and I care about this, Robbie Burns. And I'm calling you by both names a lot tonight because I have strong feelings. Well, I'll be, you know what? This is a good segue into our next topic, actually, because we are going to talk about Fantastical in a little bit uh, and actually a bunch of other third-party options. But you are an iOS-first user, meaning that you rarely pick up a Mac for anything. And it is arguable that the Apple Calendar app, though we will talk about a few others, is the best calendar app on the iPad. Uh, that And that's the big deal because so much of my scheduling takes place on my iPad. I'll get an email from an administrator saying, hey, we have this faculty meeting or a parent emails me and says, hey, can we have a conference? And I'm dealing with that email on my iPad. And so having something that looks good and is easy to use on my iPad is super important to me and being able to quickly, it, it's not just about how pretty it is. I, I joked earlier 
um, about how things are ugly, but it's not just about how pretty or ugly something is. It's about functionality because the design determines how quickly you can gather information, how quickly you can scroll through months worth of events and what you can see and what you can't. And, you know, we're talking about time management it saves me time when there's good design in my calendar app. And so that is the main thing for me. Um, you know, I won't, I'll just make a list cause we're not going to talk in depth about all of these, but I have tried, um, time page by Moleskin. Um, I've been recently using calendar 366, which I actually really like the design of, but it keeps freezing on me when I'm trying to enter count new calendar events. And that's not what you want. Um, so, um, there are so many different options, but in the end, I keep coming back mostly because of the iPad to the Apple Calendar app. These are all very fair woes to have. I I have my own calendar woes, but as was mentioned earlier in the episode, my calendar woes are the same as my email and task management woes, like where, yeah, I'm switching around between lots of different apps and I'm changing it up on the regular, but with with email and with task apps, I find that it's more a reflection of how I fail to deal with them in general, not the application that I'm currently using. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Like, the problem isn't OmniFocus or things, man. It's that I don't have a grasp on my commitments. <laughs> so with, ta- with calendar apps, that I feel like is the issue that I will from time to time run into but for you, it sounds, I don't want to say it sounds superficial, but it's, it's partly cosmetic. It's partly due to bugginess. I mean, let's be real, though. Like, an app crashing on you when you enter a new event, like, that's a pretty high offense. Right. So Apple, I would argue that Apple Calendar is the best on iOS. We should probably talk about why, but we should probably explain in general, like, what it is to the Apple ecosystem first. So Apple Calendar has um it it is the Apple's first party built in on Mac and iOS calendar app and most people like it comes when you get a new iPhone it's going to be on the first home screen um and you can view you can create uh different calendars so if you have like I have a personal and a work calendar um, and I also then have, because we use exchange at school, I have the work one through exchange as well, but I share my, uh, iCloud. Oh, I should say I sync everything through iCloud. So my personal ones and, uh, my personal work one that I use with iCloud that I share with my wife so she can see when I'm staying after school for a faculty meeting and things like that. Those are through iCloud. So you can create new individual calendars. It's got four different views. It's got day view. Um, so you can see everything that's on, on deck just for that day, week view, month view, and, uh, and year view. Um, I tend to keep everything on week view on my iPad um, and then month view on my iPhone, which I know is kind of strange, but um, those are kind of the views that I like in those different formats. Uh, you can create events. The one one downside of Apple Calendar is creating events because you have to like the little wheel to scroll through different dates <sighs> and times and things. It takes so long, um, but it's it is what it is because I spend way more time looking at events and trying to figure figure out my schedule than I do creating them. So I, I still think it's a fair trade off. And you can accept uh, invitations to uh, calendar events. So like through our exchange system, I get invited to um, IEP meetings or things like that. Um, And I just, even uh, because it all syncs together and stuff, and I use the Apple Calendar app on my Apple Watch, even I'll get a notification that I've been invited to something while I'm in the middle of teaching, look down and go, oh yeah, that is something I need to be at, and just tap yes and keep on going. So that is, especially having it on the Apple Watch too, makes um, the Apple Calendar app really nice and its complications work well. And because on the Apple Watch, first party apps get so much better treatment. So Apple Calendar is pretty bare bones uh it does it does have all the basic bells and whistles 
There are a lot of trends over the past few years, especially in the Apple ecosystem, and it feels weird saying that. I don't, I don't feel like I should say Apple ecosystem, but at the same time I should because some of the trends that I'm about to describe are very unique to productivity software on Apple platforms. Like I just don't see calendar apps of the class that we're going to discuss now on any other platform. Like there's no Fantastical or BusyCal on Windows, for example. There's this trend in the Apple ecosystem of third-party developers making apps that have really simple and clean user interfaces while also adding power features. And we're going to move on to a few of those. The first one I want to talk about is BusyCal. And BusyCal is a weird one to talk about first because it's arguably the most powerful. Actually, I don't think it's arguably the most powerful. It is the most powerful calendar app we're going to discuss today. And it has nearly anything you could want from a calendar app. What I love about it is that it looks just like the Mac and the iOS calendar app. Like It does not change that characteristic style really in too, in, in too many ways on the surface. There's a bunch of stuff you can sort of check, little, little boxes you can check in the settings that'll add stuff to the screen. But when you take it out of the box, so to speak, it is almost like you're looking at the Apple Calendar app. Now, what BusyCal does, most of the features that I take advantage of anyway, are on the Mac side of things. And uh, I'm going to actually, the easiest way to go over these is to just open up the settings and talk through some of these things. So first of all, you've got a handful more customization features about the appearance of the application. BusyCal also combines a lot of the basic features of the Reminders app into its sidebar. So if you're doing things like basic to-do lists in Apple Reminders, you can see a little list of all of your checkable to-dos on the right side of your calendars. Uh, it's got a very robust alarm system. It's actually got its own busy cow alarm window where you can like customize snoozes in really interesting ways. Uh, but of course, you can check that off and just use notification center if you'd like to. This is the one that's really important to me, the info panel. The info panel in BusyCal is persistently visible, meaning you can check a little button in the toolbar and have it slide in from the right, uh, whereas on the Mac version of calendars, you have to like do that thing where you double-click your calendar event, and then there's like a little pop-up window, and you can kind of click and drag it off to the side a little bit to detach it, but you have to click in exactly the right spot, and it's really easy to click out of it, and then it goes away, and it's just really frustrating. I add a lot of notes to my calendar events, and uh, that, that's really fiddly. So to just have that constantly on the screen, then you can just touch, either, you can either touch or you can click a calendar event and then click or tap one more time to start entering a note. It's just really, really fluid and easy. Then there's some appearance options. You've got a lot of control over the fonts and the colors of the different user interface elements. See, this is where you can get kind of wild with it. Um, you can also add the weather. I like that. It's subtle, but it's really helpful to have little weather icons in each day right in context with the event, with the events of that day. They're, I'm just learning this. They're powered by Dark Sky. Little Dark Sky oh. logo on the weather pane of the settings. Um, and then there's some more advanced stuff that I don't necessarily want to get into. I think at the end of the day, this is... A lot of features for most people at its price, which is $50 on the Mac. Um, I will admit that for me, it's the persistent info panel that I use the most regularly. And any other calendar app on the Mac drives me insane with the amount of clicking I have to do to enter notes into the notes field. So yes, for me, it is $50 just to have a persistent sidebar. I don't know why... None of the other good apps we're talking about today have that feature. Uh, I've been petitioning Fantastical's developers for years, and they're like, it's just not that important. And I'm like, I know I'm an edge case. Um, but there you have it. So 
I just downloaded this on my iPhone. It turns out I'd, I'd bought it a long time ago, and so I still have it in my account, so I was re-downloading it. And my biggest complaint and why I'm not going to immediately set this up and try and mess with some of the settings and change some of the appearance is that unlike all the other calendar apps that I think we're going to be talking about, it does not use the event kit API. You have to give it your, give it an iCloud password and give it a Microsoft exchange password. And it syncs directly with those instead of using the system APIs, which I don't love. Yeah, I think our next app does. But before you get to it, I'd like to comment that the iOS version of BusyCal has a lot of nice little checkable bells and whistles in the settings, much like its Mac counterpart. But I I don't think it's otherwise that special. And, and it doesn't add the one thing that I would want, which is the persistently visible info sidebar. I actually think that part of this does land on Apple's territory because one of the things that when I was going back and forth on Twitter with the Fantastical developer, he did mention to me once that Apple doesn't, like I, was, I think I was asking, okay, I have made, I've tapped on an event and now I'm about to enter the notes, but it requires an extra couple taps. Like you have to go into edit mode of the event before you can add notes. That I believe is a, that's an Apple limitation something to do with the calendar API that you can't just like instantly start a, a new, you know, like start typing a note in a calendar event. So maybe the busy Cal people just didn't think it was worth it to have that feature be on iOS. I would jump to this app on iOS in an instant if it did. Um, well, speaking of fantastic Cal, that is what I'm going to talk about. And uh, fantastic Cal is it it has one big selling point. It does everything else that the other calendar apps do. It shows your uh, shows your events. It does sync with reminders and and whatnot. But the thing that Fantastic Hal does better than anything else is natural language parsing. So if I find out that I have a faculty meeting next Tuesday at three fifteen, and it's just going to be a twenty minute quick meeting instead of our normal hour longers, um, I can type in. Um, faculty meeting Tuesday, 3.15 to 3.35 p.m., and then do slash W for my work calendar, and then hit enter, and it creates the event perfectly. So instead of having to do like on the Apple Calendar app and swipe down and through the little wheel of dates and times, and then do it again for the time that the event ends, um, I can just enter all that with the keyboard because I'm a fast typist and it's done. And there are other apps that claim to do this calendar 366 being one, and it consistently gets it wrong. Longtime followers of the class nerd may remember. I had um, an amazing fellow out of the UK named uh, Peter Davison Reber. I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly. We never actually spoke. It was all via iMessage and things. So uh, apologies to Peter if I'm pronouncing his last name wrong. But he created a special um, drafts action that he called the um, fantastically awesome um, event parser. Something that does a close job to what Fantastical can do. And it's amazing. He's not a programmer. He is a teacher like we are. But he figured out the JavaScript to do this. He's a super smart math teacher. And it works most of the time. And I don't want to insult him at all. But that's not what Drafts was made to do. And the fact that he's bent it to his will to be able to do that is incredible. Uh, but there are just times that it acts up and doesn't do, you know, and it has failed on me enough times that I don't completely trust it anymore. Well, let me suggest this. Busy Cal actually has this feature, too. But one of the reasons I rarely use it in BusyCal is because the Fantastical one not only works reliably, but it just, like, the, the graphical representation of what is happening on screen. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And, and it's hard. It's not just that it's pretty. It's that it's so easy. Like, what you're typing, you kind of almost see animate in a colorful grid that looks kind of like representative of the event blocks in your day. And you sort of see it zoom in, like sort of zip off into 
the background into your day when you hit the enter key. Like, am I even explaining that right? It's good, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I the zoom. The word that was popping into my head was that it zooms to where it's supposed to be. Like that, the only word I could think of was zoom, and you said it, so I think you nailed it. So even though the busy Cal one works in my experience, uh, I just don't feel like the user interface is as easy to interpret when I'm entering the data. And at the end of the day, that's really what matters. Like if you care about the experience of your calendar app and you want something that makes you faster and more efficient, sometimes see like sometimes the ease at which you interpret the data on the screen is all in the name of efficiency. And, and that'll kind of tie into why I think Apple Calendar is the best iOS calendar app in a second. But that's that's my take on it. So you're you're totally right that it is the fantastical feature of Note, uh, but it is just so good. So I keep Fantastical on my devices just for creating events. I don't view them there. I don't use it for reference, but I create most of my notes or sorry, most of my events in Fantastical still. This makes more sense on a Mac because the Mac version actually was a menu bar widget item where you'd set a keyboard command. And when you would type that command, it would just pop up with kind of like a, an iPhone app shaped, like portrait view kind of shaped widget that you would then immediately just start typing like lunch with Bob tomorrow at three. Uh, and then you would hit enter and then the widget would disappear and you would trust that that event was in your calendar. I just continue to still use that widget, even though the big full screen calendar app that's running on my computer is usually busy cow. So you mentioned earlier that you're frustrated with all calendar applications that are not Apple calendars. And I'm, Really with you there. Uh, like I said, I use BusyCal for one or two power features and leave the rest behind. Uh, I use Fantastical, but as you also do, it's just for entry. Uh, I'm using the widget on the Mac, and I'm using the phone app on the iPhone. But more often than not, I just use drafts, but not in the way you mentioned before. I actually just type in lunch with Bob at 3 p.m. tomorrow into a draft, and then I have a little draft action that sends it to Fantastical. Yes, I'm doing the same. So the calendar app that comes installed on every iPhone and iPad does two things that I find lacking from other stuff. Um, the first thing is that, and this is why Fantastical does not live on my home screen on my iPhone. I think it would, except for that there's no way in portrait view to see your events laid out in like colorful little blocks. What's the word for that style? That I don't know, but I, like a week view. Uh, yeah, I guess that... week view. Yeah, like when you cuz well, but even on the Mac if you're if you're looking at the day view well, and on the iPhone, too. I think if you're looking at the day view, you can still see horizontally, no, vertically, all of your different events depicted as colorful little bricks with white space in between them. So on Fantastical, Fantastical has this list view of all of your events, which is really great because there's a persistent calendar that's on the screen, that which is like, it's it's like a calendar that would hang on your wall. You see the month, and then 1 through 30 or whatever. And then you can really quickly tap on the number, and it'll jump to that day, which is really easy for navigating through long stretches of time. Like, if I need to see what I'm doing in a few months, I just swipe to the left to go through the months, and then I tap on the day of the month I want, and then I'm instantly there. Really easy to do on a small, tiny screen. But then there's no way to actually see a day at a glance and the list view doesn't work for me because even though the titles of the events have the start and end times, it takes me a lot longer to mentally decipher where the empty space is uh, than if I'm just looking at white space in between my events. It's also a lot easier to input things the standard way than the non-natural language way by just tapping into a white space 
and holding because that's the default gesture for creating a new event on the iPhone. And there's no way to do that on Fantastical. You have to use the gesture, um, which if I'm just trying to you know, create an event in the free space on my Saturday afternoon, I don't necessarily need to put it in that way. If I'm just making casual lunch plans, maybe I just want to find an empty spot and just quick add lunch with my finger. Yeah, I had completely forgotten that you cannot get a weak view in Fantastical unless you turn it into landscape mode. That That is one of the things that was a deal breaker for me with actually using that as my calendar app. Yeah, it's really frustrating. And then on the iPad end of things, it's the smoothness of scrolling. Scrolling, I you know, I, I do all my work in weak view. I occasionally go to month view, but really when I go to month view, um, it's just so that I can page through the months faster. <laughs> like I, I really spend most of my time in the weak view. So weak view on the iPad using Fantastical is really janky when you scroll. Like I get lots of jitters and the jitters like make me, my finger will sometimes move differently in response to the jitters. And then I don't get quite the full. Cause you know, when you're swiping through uh, weeks, a little tiny swipe on iOS will like swipe a day or two, but a, a big grand swipe will go exactly one week where Sunday is on the left side and Saturday is on the other. Man, I am picky. I'm realizing <laughs> as I'm saying this, but fantastic hell breaks this mental model for me. Like I just don't ever feel like I have a sense of place or a command over changing from week to week. So it's a deal breaker for me. So there is one other feature in the Mac version of fantastic hell where I'm like really tempted to move to it full time, but then I don't. And that is the calendar set feature. Uh, yeah. See calendar 366 does have this on iOS and I've been testing that out and I do like that. It's really nice. It's the idea that you can have certain calendars visible to you and then you can create a keyboard shortcut that automatically checks off the calendars in that set, and then on the calendars that are in that set. So for me, I subscribe to a lot of calendars that I want to reference, but that I don't necessarily want to see. I typically like that my default view of my calendar to be just stuff that I need to be at. I don't want any referential stuff, about, but I do want it to be in my calendar app. I don't want to go to another place to find it if I could just as easily check it on. So a calendar set for me would be like control one is just stuff that I have in my own calendar. Control two is everything. It's chaos. It's just all of the colorful blocks on Uh, calendar. I'm sorry. Control three is just my stuff and my wife's stuff. Um, And so on. I've got a, a bunch of other ones. Actually, funny i'm remembering another busy cow thing and it's just the it's the little things but busy cow groups all of my wife's calendars that i subscribe to in icloud underneath one master check calendar meaning i can check them all on and off in just one tap instead of three (laughs) Hmm. which is again a thing that saves me a little bit of time and i like it so So that's a cool feature. But again, at the end of the day, um, scrolling isn't great on the Mac version of Fantastical either. And it doesn't have a persistently visible sidebar or info panel or whatever we want to call that thing. So I guess next in the outline is Google Calendar. And Google Calendar is, as you mentioned earlier, it's a service, but it's also an application. So Google Calendar as a service is the back end data house, I I suppose you could say, that keeps all of this stuff in it. It's Apple Calendar, it's Fantastical, it's BusyCal that actually pulls that data and then shows it to us. Uh, I guess the the calendar app for Google Cal on the Mac would just be the web app, which is calendar.google.com. You know, Google web apps... So so they sort of blur the line between service and application. I think most people don't really understand the distinction for this very reason. I mean, it took me, you know, a couple years into my calendar using life to even figure out that I could put my Google Calendar in Apple's Calendar app. Um, 
So Google Calendar either lives in a web tab or you can install it as an app on your iPhone and your iPad from the App Store. And the features that I like on the iOS app are the same ones that I like on the web, which are this um, kind of like smart AI. You know, it's typical typical Google stuff. I mean, Google is great at looking at your email, looking at your Google search history, all of that creepy stuff that's creepy until it's really, really beneficial. And then you're like, all right, I'm cool with being spied on a little bit. So things like figuring out when your flights are or when you have reservations based on your email messages or looking at things that you do, places you are regularly, and then suggesting events in your calendar for you. Google is really good at that, and it's got this nice interface that shows you, like, if you've got a flight coming up and you didn't add it to your calendar, you'll see this nice big block that'll have, like, a thumbnail of a plane lifting off, like, it'll, it'll like, have a thumbnail of the airport you're landing in, like, just really nice stuff that gives a context to the things you are doing. Of course, you can tap once to reference the email that the flight confirmation was you know what i mean like just all of this really smart stuff that's leveraging the power of ai and then is presenting it to you in a way where you have to do less work and get more out of it yeah you're i I sync with icloud and you're starting to talk me into using my hey but let me ask you this what can icloud let's just assume that someone listening isn't tied to apple or their services because of privacy reasons. Is there anything iCloud calendars can do that Google can't? You're setting me up for something, but I don't know what it is. No, I'm not. I can't think of anything that iCloud calendars can do that Google can't, and Google can do more. Yeah, that is 100% true. So I still use iCloud for a lot of things in my personal calendar for sharing with my wife, I have on multiple occasions thought about moving it all over to Google. The only thing that has stopped me is laziness. I um, I mean, a lot of why I don't is laziness. And I've had my calendars syncing. Like I had a dot Mac account that I backed everything up to back when I was in high school and then in mobile me came out in college and started syncing. I've just, that's where everything has been for so long that I don't worry about changing it. There are a few things I miss, but there are some AI things that Siri will do on my phone. For instance, like, you know, when I sign up for a new class at my gym, um, it, the app automatically adds that to my calendar And Siri knows that every time I have that event on my calendar, I go to the same location. And so it automatically puts that location into the event, even though my gym app doesn't do that. So it, it'll tell me, and then I've got all that, like, how long is it going to take you to get there data and that kind of thing. I'm pretty sure it's doing that on device though. Like I think if you only had Google calendar, if you had only Google calendar, plugged into your Apple calendar app, I'm pretty sure it would still do all of that. Well, there you go. So then it's laziness. <laughs> I do. I will say like Google's sharing options are more complex and feature rich, but they are also more complex. And that's probably the other reason I haven't done it. Yeah. You know, my wife keeps her personal calendars in Google calendar and getting her to share that with me is such a pain. And because we're on a family sharing account with iCloud, I just share my stuff with her and it's super easy. So I would rather just keep things with iCloud because the sharing is so much easier. Yeah, it definitely is. You can probably tell me, can you share a calendar from the Apple Calendar app on your iPad, or do you still have to go to iCloud.com? You can do it from the iOS app. Okay, good to know. Last time I tried, it was from iCloud.com. Well, the next thing on our list is Today View, Forecast, and Apple Watch. Um, I put Today View and Forecast on here just to mention that if you listened to our episode a few weeks ago on task apps, you will know that 
each of us use, you use things and I use OmniFocus for doing our tasks. Each of these apps has a really great view called the Today View if you're using things or the Forecast if you're using OmniFocus. And these are like, um, this is a screen in the app that shows you all of your stuff that you're supposed to be working on on that day. Well, now you can see all of your calendar events on that same screen. This is one of the features that I really love about things. The way the user interface presents your calendar items right in that today view, it gives me a really good idea of, oh, I can plug this in here and this in here. It's it's essential for me. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. In OmniFocus, the forecast view in the newest version actually shows your calendar events in line with your due tasks. So you can actually have, you can see if a task is due between your three o'clock class and your four o'clock class, it actually shows in between those two calendar events, which is kind of nice. Gives some extra context. Yeah. And I'll just quickly add that the Apple Watch can be a really nice place just to have a complication. Or I've been running the Siri watch face mostly lately. And uh, if I've got an event coming up, a particular meeting or um, something like that, it just it's always right there at the top of my Apple Watch if it's if it's approaching rapidly to help me remember to take care of stuff like that. Right on. So we've got a workflow section in our outline. And the way that I define this is to just sort of describe the encompassing way that all of this fits together for me. Like, how am I managing my services and my calendar apps? What areas of my life are going into which? And which devices am I using as a viewing glass into that data? So I'm going to start by saying that I use three calendar services, but two instances of one of them. And like you, I'm using iCloud for a lot of calendars. I'm actually not putting all of my calendars in iCloud, but I'm putting all the calendars that I can in iCloud. And this includes things like my personal list of things to do, my family calendar, which syncs with my wife's devices. Uh, it includes some public school events that includes, well, used to until recently include my private lesson teaching schedule. And this is also the place where I share my calendars with my wife and she shares her events with me. And all of this is pumping through my iCloud account. Now on all of my devices in the iOS and Mac settings, I have two Google accounts and then an exchange account pumping through. Now my exchange account, uh, my school district uses Microsoft exchange if I get a meeting invite, usually the principal secretary will send me an email and it'll have a little email invitation in it when I need to meet with him to talk about my SLO or something. Uh, that all happens through Exchange. So I keep Exchange plugged into all of my devices. And then I have two Google accounts. I have a personal one and then I have a work one. Now the personal one, I don't really do much with other than have a private lesson calendar. And my private lesson teaching calendar is only in Google because I wanted to be able to publish it to my website. So I have a password protected part on my personal website where my students can go and they see an embedded Google calendar where they can check to see if they've got a lesson on any given day. And I actually put my students' lesson assignments in the notes field of the calendar event. So you can see why I'm constantly adding notes and need that persistently visible sidebar yeah, it makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, so I'm constantly typing in there, uh, and they can see that information on my website. Now, I have a Google account for work, and this is a music department Gmail account that we started. And we have a lot of things we're doing with this. I put my contacts of all band, choir, and orchestra parents into that. We mentioned this in last week's episode. Um. I've got, uh, we've got an email address that we use for outgoing, I, I think actually also last episode, we talked about FileMaker and how you can script the sending of emails. So that's happening server side through our school Gmail account. And we host our YouTube page through that Gmail account, but we also put all of our calendar events on it. So all of the members of my music team are logged into this in their iOS and Mac settings. And each one of us has a 
teaching calendar, actually two, because I've got a teaching calendar for my sectionals, one for my ensembles, and then every other teacher on our staff has the same thing. Now, what's cool about this is since we all have access to it, and we do a lot of team teaching and covering for each other, if I have a dentist appointment and the orchestra teacher is available to cover my third period class, I can just click on the third period class for that day and change the calendar from my class to his class calendar. And then all of a sudden it shows up on his calendar when he's looking at his stuff. And this is really important because coming back to calendar sets earlier, I like to only see the events on my calendar by default that I need to be at. So my calendar set only shows me the blue stuff basically. And all of my school calendar uh, events that are related to my ensembles or my sectionals are colored blue. So then I also have a sectional calendar, and the sectional calendar is where I input my pullout program. Now I also also give my I also give my students a printout, and this is like a numbers spreadsheet that I've made that shows them which days they have which classes with me and when. But then I also input this data into my calendar app. And then of course, because it's a Google calendar, we can publish this to our website. And this is, gosh, so much of this is piggybacking off last week. It's great. Because last week we talked about how my program is using a website to communicate a lot of information to parents. Well, this is an instance of that. So our parents can go online and they can see an event calendar. Well, that's actually another use for it. We have yet another calendar in this Google Calendar account, which is just concerts. And parents can go and just see all the concerts for all of our program the whole year in a Google Calendar. They can also see the sectional calendar. Now our teachers get a special version of this published to Google where we actually, in the notes field of each event, we put the names of the kids who are in that pullout. So our teachers can, if a kid is saying, hey, I've got a flute sectional right now, the teacher can go to our sectional calendar online, type in the password, and then when they click on the event, it'll pop up a little window with the names of the kids. So they can basically confirm that the kid is supposed to be where they're saying they're supposed to be. So it's got a lot of moving pieces, but what I get at the end of the day is a really easy way to communicate calendars to teachers, to students, and to families, because there's no easier way to manage a calendar than to just take out your phone's calendar app and, or an even Fantastical and just type in class tomorrow at 2.25. Oh, that's the other reason Fantastical is great for input, because class times start and end at weird times. So the natural language input helps there. Uh, and at the end of the day, I, we have all these different Google calendars that are shared with the right people and give everyone exactly the information that they need. And then on my end, all I need to do is look down at my Apple Watch. And because my Apple Calendar app is only synced, well, it's synced to everything, but it's only the calendars that are related to my stuff are checked. I'm always going to see which class is next. Super important for making sure that I give kids enough time to start packing up, you know, just a few minutes before class. Uh, And it even... In the location field, I put the room number. So if I'm teaching, I teach in about four or five different rooms this year. It's madness. Uh, I get to even see like which room I'm going to next when I glance down on my wrist. So that's the, the general gist of it. I know it's a lot. Oh, and then of course, I'm subscribed to some calendars as well. So I've got holiday calendars checked on. Um, I think I mentioned last episode, we're using Canvas Strangely, we use, uh, we use Microsoft Exchange, but we also use Canvas calendars to house all Howard County Public School music events and all Howard County Public School events and all Ellicott Mills Middle School events. And this is really important because I run the elementary school honor band and I need to be able to see the Canvas calendar to make sure that the official music calendar for our county reflects the right dates of the rehearsals. So I leave that synced to my calendar app, but then it's just unchecked most of the time. Um, And then I subscribe to some other things as well. So yeah, I mean, that's... And then, of course, I'm using the apps I mentioned earlier in the episode with, of course, Fantastical 
even though it's not my primary app, it is through that wonderful use of just syncing straight to the, what did, how do you describe that again? It's, it's using basically the calendar kit API. Yeah. Event kit. Event kit. That's the one. Yeah. So, I mean, I never really have to, once I get all of these different accounts set up, set up on Mac and iOS, I'm pretty much good to swap between different calendar apps at will. That's amazing. I don't really have anything. My workflow is so much simpler than that because I'm teaching elementary school and don't have all these concerts and sectionals and as many periods and different things as, as you do. Um, in fact, my, my schedule's almost the same every day. So the only things that I put in my calendar are when there's a change um, from the normal routine. Um, so a meeting during my planning period or, um, you know, we do have a different schedule for that day because we're starting on a two hour delay or there's a special event or something. Um, otherwise, I leave my calendar kind of open. So I'm sitting here thinking, man, how can I like take more advantage of my calendar based on what Robbie's saying? Because it's super cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's um, a lot, but when it works in favor of teacher and students and families, it really works. Well, and I think too, it helps explain like so many times you've said about different task managers and different things. Oh, this doesn't work the way I need it to with my calendar system. And I haven't ever stopped and gone, what is his calendar system? Well, no wonder you've got a super intense calendar system and it's great. Like I'm in no way making fun of it, but I can totally see like when, when your calendar system is laid out in as much detail as yours is, you've got to have systems that are going to work around that. And that's important. So fortunately event kit makes things ultra flexible and, you know, being able to log in to multiple different accounts and manipulate them all from the same place is pretty great. Yeah, it's, it's an area that Apple has done a really good job. Well, this might be our longest episode ever, um, which is funny for something about time management. Um, we're doing great. Um, <laughs> but we should probably um, shut this one down. Well, listeners, until next time, stay classy. And stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.